Welcome back for episode 29 of Self-Signed Artist. At the center of every thriving music community, there's a vocal advocate. And today, we're going to get to know one of Connecticut's, CT Verses. You're listening to Self-Signed Artist, the podcast that helps independent musicians run their brand like a business. Now, your hosts, Kobe Nelson and Jake Mannix. How's it going, everybody? I'm Kobe Nelson. I'm here with Jake Mannix. Hello, hello. And today's a little bit different. We talk a lot about community on this podcast, and there are a few people out there as involved in their own music community or as passionate about it as our guest today. So we want to welcome to the podcast, CT Versus. Thank you so much, Kobe and Mannix. I'm so excited to talk about Connecticut today. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good. So if you're a musician from Connecticut and you you don't know about the CT Versus blog, first of all, I, I don't really know how that's possible. Congratulations, you're an anomaly. But also, I think you need to change that because these days, a huge percentage of the music in the state that I find out about is through CT Versus. And I think it's a really, really great resource. So if you're if you're not checking in there regularly, I think you're missing out on quite a lot. So, and I, I want to congratulate you on what you've done with this blog, because I, I think it's a, a really, really great thing for all the musicians out there. And that's really who we're trying to serve with this podcast. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you. That really means a lot. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So, so now before we, before we dive into things, we've got a, a bunch of questions that we want to ask you specifically kind of relating to community and things like that. But I, I do want to address some things before we dive in. So one thing is your identity. So you've enjoyed a certain amount of anonymity with your blog and podcast, and we want to maintain that here. So for our listeners out there, we're going to refer to you as CT Versus throughout the episode. Just just so that everybody knows why why we're doing that, why we're not <laughs> sure. yeah, that makes naming sense. you or anything like that. And and for our listeners out there, you can't see this, but we're on a Zoom call talking to a golden retriever right now. And if you've been on <laughs> CT versus blog, you know what I'm talking about. But without giving away too much about yourself, can can you talk a little bit about your background? Like how you became so passionate about music in the first place, whether that's Connecticut music or otherwise? So uh, that's a great question. So I think I first got passionate about music, honestly, maybe in the fifth grade when I learned trombone. And that was like my first instrument. And I was like, oh, music is cool. I can do a lot of things (laughs) with it. And then I realized like, oh, like trombone is actually kind of lame. I should probably learn guitar or bass (laughs) or something like that. Yeah. And and so like, I, I think I... I thought that I wanted to play music and perform music, but it wasn't for me. And I realized what I really enjoy about music is sharing it and talking about it and finding new music. Mm. So how long did it take you to sort of really deep dive into things and, and start creating your own tastes, finding all of these things that you're now known around the state for for kind of putting out there? So before like, I started this blog, I actually... And this is an exclusive. I haven't told anybody this, uh, <laughs> but I, I actually wrote for a couple of other blogs that were much more like national in focus. And and so like I was, I, I thought of myself as like very kind of in tune with like the trends of, you know, specifically kind of like indie rock or whatever. 
And it wasn't until uh, a few years ago that I really started like noticing and appreciating what Connecticut had to offer. So, so what led to that decision to kind of transition over into the current blog? Because I found you around the end of 2019, I think, but you'd been going, that was fairly close to the beginning for you, right? How long has the blog been a thing? Yeah, so I think I think our inauguration was like April 24th, 2019. I think that's the date. Somewhere okay. around there. Yeah. Cool. Do you remember what you started with? So I remember I remember my first post was to hype up a uh, gig that was coming up at Max 650, rest in peace. It's no longer open. That was in Middletown, and that was a stacked Connecticut bill of Evelyn Gray. Shy, Glambat, and Snowpiler. And three of those bands had, uh, it was like their release show or whatever. Mm. And so that was like my first post was like, hey, you should come see these great bands. Nice. And that's kind of where this idea for CT Versus really came from was just, are you familiar with a lot of the bands that you started out with on a personal level? Or was it more just love for the music and, and wanting to help other people find that too? I think it was both. So I think like the origin story was like sometime, I'm not going to say the date, but like I went to a show at Space Ballroom, which is a, a, a great venue in Hamden that plays a lot of national acts, but usually we'll have like a local uh, band supporting. And I went to go see a band that I really love. And uh, I was kind of locked out of the Space Ballroom because their credit card machine wasn't working. So I was like standing <laughs> out in the cold and uh, a band was playing and I was like, holy shit, this band is so good. And I couldn't believe I hadn't heard of them. And and so like that night I went home and like learned about their records and who they were. And that just kind of got me like on this path of just like discovering all these other bands I'd never heard of. And that surprised me because like, like I said, I thought that I was like really in tune with like indie rock trends or whatever. And there was just these great bands releasing great albums that I had no idea about. And that was when I decided, you know what? I think I want to like try to spread the gospel. Mm. And really deep dive into it. Yeah, I mean, since yeah. since then, you've you've really covered a lot. Like when we had Dylan Healy on uh, a little while ago, um, episode twenty two, and we were we were kind of joking about that how you really don't miss a thing in Connecticut, <laughs> and that I, I mean, and Jake and I have noticed this recently too because that seems to manifest as you always being one step ahead of self signed artists, which <laughs> I kind of love. So for example, when we when we talked to Dylan, you had just recently put out an interview with him. <laughs> and then just recently, I asked Similar Kind to come on, which was our last episode. Right. And the day before we were scheduled to talk to Julia, you released a podcast episode with the whole band. So I, I swear we're not like copying you <laughs> and, and just cherry picking the things that you do. But, but I think it's really fitting because I really do find out a lot about what's going on in Connecticut through you a lot of the time. And that, that kind of leads to one burning question that I have for you. And that's how on earth do you find out about all of these releases and musicians? Like, where are you pulling <laughs> your information from? I wish that I could say it was like some cool secret, but it's literally <laughs> just, I have a couple of social media accounts that all I really do is follow Connecticut, like music or whatever. And so I see that stuff and it's not like cluttered with like baby pictures from my friends or whatever, you know? Um, <laughs> and so that helps. And then also like, I think Twitter and Instagram know, like my algorithm is just pump me up with Connecticut <laughs> music. So that's, that's pretty much it. And then, you know, like back whenever there were live shows, I, you know, I would go out to at least two or three shows a week. And so if there was somebody in my blind spot, usually I'd catch them that way. 
Mm. Yeah, it, it's. I find it really interesting because it's something that I always I struggle with a little bit, and I I need resources like your blog to help me find those things. Just because I I'm always feeling like I'm discovering something new, but it seems like you're always you're always there when when something happens, uh, which is really great for the music in in Connecticut because it it helps get it all out there. So I know one thing that we we have to talk about today with you here is. Connecticut, just as a whole, Connecticut. So let's talk about that. Can you give us the pitch for Connecticut and why should Jake move here? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so why should Jake move here? Jake, you're in Albany, right? I am in Albany. <laughs> okay. Man. Does Albany have similar kind? No. Does Albany have Funny Bone Records? <laughs> no. Or... <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> All right. So those are two good reasons right there. <laughs> but no, so I, I think that, you know, like what I love about Connecticut is I think one of the things that people dismiss about Connecticut, which is that like, it is super close to all these big regions, right? Like Boston and, and New York are right between us, or sorry, on either side of us. And so it gives a lot of artists like the ability to be flexible. Like if they want to move up to, to Boston, play a few shows and move back down, that's, that happens all the time. So much so that we often have like bands that are considered New York bands or Boston bands, when in fact they're like Willamantic bands or Hartford right. bands. <laughs> But no, I mean, I, I think that in terms of like a music scene, everybody's super supportive. There's not a lot of like competition like you might see in some of the bigger markets. And uh, yeah, and it snows, which is nice. We get all four <laughs> seasons. And I yeah. think that's, that's all I got for right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I, I like what you said about the competition too, because that is something that I've noticed in Connecticut. And I don't know. It's one of those things that I always kind of forget about. Like I think of think of markets and stuff like that as competition and competitive. But when you actually talk to artists and bands, there's just none of that. And right. I don't know. It's always something I have to like come back to and remind myself that it's not a competition. You can all be pursuing the same thing and all achieving at the same time. It's not win or lose. Yeah, and I think that because we are, like Connecticut is kind of the underdog of New England, in my opinion, just because like, you know, Massachusetts has its own thing. People like Massachusetts, people like New York, people like Rhode Island. But Connecticut is like, oh, that's the Gilmore Girls place or that's the <laughs> insurance place. We have that underdog status, which makes us, frankly, better than New Jersey. <laughs> well, it- if if you could if you could think of one thing that all Connecticut artists or bands have in common, would you be able to like put a a, a pin in that and and give us something? Or, or what's the core of the community here for you? Seltzer water. <laughs> seltzer water. Yeah, that's true. Do you guys have seltzer water up in Albany, Jake? Oh, lots of it. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's see. Cumberland Mills has got to be like that's a tour stop. Uh, We've got Cumberland Con- Farms. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah Cumberland. <laughs> the Farms. gas station, uh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what do you think that Connecticut artists do better than anyone else? So, so this isn't my idea, but this is what some so uh, a musician and recording artist named uh, Sam Carlson who plays in the band Ports of Spain and plays under his own name as S.G. Carlson. He put it this way. He writes, he also writes for New Haven Independent, which is where I'm stealing this from. He said that Connecticut is, oh, what do you, how do you frame it? He was, he said it's like working class music pitched with a highbrow. And I think mm-hmm. what that means to me is that a lot of the music in Connecticut is very melodic and very pop centered and, relatable that you can sing along with, but there's usually a lot of like experimentation or conceptual stuff that that makes it not just run-of-the-mill rock and roll, 
Right. Yeah. I think that, I think that's really true. I, I mean, are there, are there any bands that you can point to that you think are, are really good examples of that specifically? Yeah. I mean, so I think Glambat, I think Glambat is like my, my go-to as like a, if you want to know more about Connecticut music, check out Glambat because mm. Glambat and Emily Alderman, the songwriter of Glambat, her, her songs are at times very funny and very silly and also very cutting in, in their lyrics. But she centers all of it around, you know, rhythms that you can tap your foot to and songs you can sing along with. So it's something that I think can appeal to everybody, but has like a lot going on that's more than just, you know, four chords and a drum machine or whatever. Right. Yeah. I think that I think there is a lot of diversity in the music in Connecticut. I, at the same time, I feel like there is sort of like a, a Connecticut thing. Like there's a I don't know how to define it necessarily but like i feel like i can hear a thing in connecticut music that sort of sets it apart where when i hear a new band i don't know sometimes you can you can get that sense that they're from connecticut you look it up and they they happen to be from here yeah i know what you mean i i don't know if i've gotten to that point yet but i think it would in some ways help help the connecticut music scene because oftentimes you'll hear people say like oh that austin sound or that Mm -hmm. la sound and if we had a marketable sound like that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I don't mean that I can like 100% with 100% accuracy be like, that band's from Connecticut first time <laughs> sure. I see them. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's just like a general, a general sense. Yeah. I mean, with that, would you say that there's any area that this community still has a lot of room to grow? Not necessarily as a criticism or anything like that, but like what do we as a community still need to work on? I think as a community, certainly there is uh, underrepresentation of black and brown people. I think that the music scene has come a long way in terms of LGBT uh, representation as well, but I think there's still some room in that. And those are, the, I guess, like the, the two big things that pop to mind because I think, you know, a lot of people think Connecticut is just a bunch of white folks, but if you've been to any, any town or any city in Connecticut, you know, that's not true. And that's not always represented in, in the music scene, at least in terms of like the house show, you know, DIY scene. Yeah, that's, that's really true. That's actually really interesting. and something that I haven't given enough thought to for our state. I think that's a, a thing that a lot of the country and world still needs to to work on. So Connecticut is definitely not an exception there. And it's probably something that we need to put more thought into even for this podcast and things like that. So I don't know, maybe that's a teaser for the future for guests that we might have on to sort of further that conversation. Is your next guest, is that Governor Ned Lamont? (laughs) We, (laughs) we, no, but that's okay. a great idea. I'll, I'll write that one down for later. <laughs> I've, been, I've been trying to get him on my podcast for, for months. He is not returning my calls. <laughs> have you actually reached out to him? I, I have, but I've always done it in like a kind of silly, you know, yeah. way that I don't think he would take seriously. But <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure awesome. he reads the blog. I'm sure he follows uh, the Instagram account. Well, like I said, if you're in Connecticut and you're not, then you're missing out. So <laughs> come on, Ned. All right. And what, when, we're, when we're talking about areas that the community still needs to grow, we mentioned one area where lots of communities need to grow. Are there any other kind of universal things that either Connecticut or other communities need to do uh, or should be doing in order to get stronger that you don't see a lot of people doing? Do you mean like in, in terms specifically of like representation or otherwise? Anything. So I think 
I think it would be a good idea if everybody, especially those that book shows, think about who's on the bill. And what I mean by that is like, for example, if you book three bands and there's not a woman in, in there, like why? Mm. Why why isn't that the case? And and I think that, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong, but it it's should provide some introspection. And I think that kind of introspection is a good starting point for, for everybody to do it like on an individual basis. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good point. And that's, it's an area that is a thing that's difficult for people to talk about a lot of the time. So it's it's something that I don't think venues are, are necessarily discussing or, or people who are setting up their own shows are discussing necessarily. They're just thinking. Yeah, I think oftentimes, you know, bills at house shows are just kind of like, hey, let's get, you know, me and my buddies. And if all of your buddies are white dudes, like I, I get it, but that just kind of reinforces the boys club kind of, you know, aspect of it. Very true. Yeah. I mean, Jake, what's your perspective on that being from a a different area, slightly different area of the country? Yeah, for sure. There's definitely not a ton of representation. Yeah, I would say it's about the same. But I think what's cool is that there is a lot of talented female artists up here and they are on shows and on more shows like before all this COVID stuff shut down. Yeah, I I think that's always something that you're right, just needs to be thought about. What do you think the the role of music blogs and music publications is when it when it comes to all of this like what's your philosophy when it comes to your blog and choosing artists to feature or or making sure that there's representation yeah that's a great question and i at least whenever i try to do whenever i do like a music roundup or something like that where like i you know like usually once a month or so like i'll like compose like a list of like here's all the new releases that you know mm-hmm. that caught my ear I try to think about like, well, well, who is in this list and who is not in this list? Like, who am I missing? What air, like, what towns? What people are not being represented here? And what can I do to change that? I think that's huge. And the roundup that you're talking about is the bark list yeah. for, <laughs> for people who aren't familiar, which is a regular place where I go to check things out and find out more stuff about what's going on. But I'm really glad that for you, there's that kind of thought that goes into that. I think whether whether you agree with the term or not, you're you're a tastemaker in the state. And I don't know that a lot of tastemakers in other markets are necessarily putting that type of thought into, into what they're putting out there and, and what they're promoting. And it's it's more just about do I like this? Do I not like this? And and that's kind of as far as the decision goes. So I'm I like that that you're actually putting that thought into it. And I think that's a, a really, really cool thing. Thank you. And that's very kind of you to say, I will, uh, in my email signature, I'm going to put like tastemaker in quotation marks. <laughs> Jake, do you have any music blogs or publications up by you in the Albany area that covered the music scene up there? I haven't looked too much into it. We have Two Buttons Deep, which is a blog. And then we have the Without Warning podcast. Are, are both of those genre specific in any way or what kind of sets them apart from each other? Two Buttons Deep, I think, is general. I'm not sure. I'm not. I don't personally read the the blog or listen to the podcast unless it's involving one of my clients. But I know Without Warning is pretty hip hop specific and like even within the hip hop genre, like the really hard, like super New York hip hop. And then Two Buttons Deep, I think, is more just the general 518 music scene. Okay. Like for for CT Versus, 
you tend to be more on the indie rock side of things, but I, yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily because of your own personal music tastes or there is there are just more musicians falling into that kind of genre category in the state. It's uh, a more common thing versus versus something else. Do you have any insight into that? Yeah, that's a great question. I th- I think it's got to be mostly like just my personal preferences. Mm-hmm. And that's just because like, yeah, I do want to cover Connecticut music, but really like I just want to talk about the music that I like. <laughs> and so like usually the the music that I like kind of steers a little bit more towards like the quote unquote alternative or, you know, like the indie indie vibes. Yep. I think that's something that really comes across in your blog and your podcast is that you you really do really, really like the artists that you're interviewing and talking to and everything like that. And you actually listen to them and all of that. I think that comes across really well. And I admire how you keep the blog and the podcast all about the artists. And, and that comes back to your anonymity, your not putting yourself out there even at all. And even when we were talking about having you come on this podcast, you mentioned how you would sometimes be hesitant to do that because you'd rather a Connecticut artist come on the show in your place. So I think that's that's something that's really interesting and something that's important for a blog. I mean, how do you think the blog, a blog or a podcast has the power to influence a community? Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I kind of wrestle with that. And I don't know, like, how much, like, what I think about it is, like, me getting in my own head about it. But I think that at, at its best, whenever I think about, like, like a blog that's really working to put the community together, I think of it as, like, a, a blog is almost like a water cooler, where it's like, this is a place where people can go to kind of see what's going on before they go back to their own cubicles, if that makes Mm. sense. And so like a blog like Brooklyn Vegan back in the day, they just covered, you know, kind of New York music. That was what that was. And it really helped, you know, kind of promote artists from that area. And the same thing for Austin Pudding from Boston. Uh, Austin Pudding was a huge influence on me. And basically it was just, they were covering the bands that were in that area. And even though it only really kind of catered to the Boston crowd, I think because they were so excited about it and they were so authentic about it, it's it spread out and and people nationwide, you know, like started hearing about the Boston scene or the the New York scene. Mm. Yeah, I think you're doing the same sort of thing for Connecticut. One of the, one of the things that I find really interesting about how you write about bands and things like that that I want to ask about is you, for example, don't really do reviews, at least not in a traditional sense where you're kind of like rating an artist release. It's always positive, supportive, and you focus more on interviews, features, and highlights, like with the bark list and things like that. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that decision to to not feature reviews? Yeah, I honestly it has to do with time. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> because I probably the my most favorite thing to do is probably write reviews. Like that is something that I really like to do because it it forces me to spend a lot of time paying attention to an album. And the problem is it just takes me so long to crank those out. And I feel like that's not what my time could be best spent doing, which I think is more kind of like proliferating, like, you know, spreading by, by doing something like a feature, like the bark list where I'm just shouting out like 30 artists at a time. That's, you know, 
maybe a better use of time exposing people to those bands instead of just one specific one. But I, I think usually the, the, the bands that I would have wanted to review, I usually invite on the podcast and talk with them there. Right. Yeah. I, I think that actually works out well. And it's kind of like a refreshing thing. Not that I have anything against reviews or anything like that, but I think having that sort of interaction with the band and doing more interviews is a really nice thing about it. And you, you get to ask them questions, hear it back from them. And it kind of creates a little bit of a bridge between the listener, the reader and the music that you might not necessarily get in the same way from a review. So I think it really, really works well. So even though I really love to write reviews, I do realize that like there's not a whole lot of incentive for somebody who doesn't love that band to read that article. And so whenever I would write reviews, and I've written a lot of reviews for that blog that I'm very proud of, I, I know that they wouldn't get a lot of traffic. And I, I honestly, I do not care about traffic. That is not something that I think about at all. I don't check up on it. But I do think about like, what is likely to grab somebody who doesn't listen to Connecticut music's attention that, that I might be able to grab like a, a new, somebody, you know, make a new fan for a band. That's really interesting. I would have never even considered that, but that makes total sense that if you're going to be reading a, a review, it's because you're already kind of sold. <laughs> yeah. And, and so that's one of the reasons why I tried to do podcasting is because I, I feel like people are more likely to listen than they are to read, which is, which is why you haven't turned this into a, like a, a, a written column, right? Right. Yeah. We don't have, we don't have a blog. We talked about it briefly at the beginning, but yeah, yeah we've kept it all <laughs> the audio format. Yeah. So, I mean, you see a lot of releases and a lot of shows when shows are going on. And I'm wondering if you can offer any advice for artists out there. Cause on this podcast, we kind of like to smash common misconceptions that artists have about building a career in music. So from mm -hmm. all of the things that you've seen, are there any things that you can think of to help out our listeners who are trying to build a career in music? So I would say if you are trying to get the attention of a blog, like for me, something that is a huge turnoff is whenever I, oh God, I, I hate this so much. <laughs> whenever <laughs> uh, somebody will just jump into Instagram and DM me a SoundCloud link. They don't tell me anything. They're not following me. They just send me a link because mm -hmm. like it's, it costs so little time to just say, you know, Hey, this is my name. You know, I'm, I'm doing this. Please check it out. That's, you know, that's fine. It doesn't cost you any additional time to do that. And so whenever I see stuff like that, that annoys me. And so I know I'm not the only blog that's like that. And also I think that, you know, just like if you send an email to a blog, just make it personal. So like, you can say like, oh, I just found your blog. I, you know, I don't know anything about it, but I think that this might work for a premiere or for a, you know, whatever. As long as you have tangible goals like that, whenever you're reaching out to somebody, I think that can be tremendously helpful. Instead of just saying, hey, could you review this? Whenever like, if they had looked at my blog for three seconds, they would know that I don't do reviews really anymore. If they had opened the about page on your blog. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> they would exactly. know that, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's really true for a lot of things, that personal connection. And that's something that we've talked about in on this podcast in a lot of from a, lo a lot of different angles, with even with social media, yeah. things like that, where there's a lot of that just kind of it's spam, essentially, where sure. you're you're trying to get your foot in the door somewhere and just throwing things out, not actually putting in any work and expecting somebody else to then take whatever you've sent that SoundCloud link and then put a lot of work into it without ever having made any sort of connection. So 
yeah, I think that's great advice. Yeah, and I think uh, you've covered this on your podcast too, but like people that are independent artists are fighting an uphill battle with like these like PR companies who mm. will email blogs all day. You know, like they they really just stuff the inbox with like, here's what my client's doing, here's, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, we can get, you know, like over a hundred emails a day. And, and so wow. if you're going to compete, and I don't mean that for CT versus, but like for, uh, for other blogs that I wrote for, but if you're competing with that, then like, think about that when you're writing the email, you know, like mm. it can go a long way to say like, Hey, I really love this feature that you did with so-and-so artist, you know, that got me thinking, maybe I should s- submit something to you or, you know, just something like that. Even if it's bullshit, you know, <laughs> at least you're trying. Yeah. I think another kind of misconception, this is makes me think of another thing that you said to me in one of our email exchanges before setting up this podcast. You brought up another good point. And that was about the size of the market that you're trying to get into. And I think a lot of people, and we're probably guilty of this on this podcast too, in the way we frame things. A lot of people are pushing only for like the biggest markets. Like that's sort of the, right. the end goal. You need to whatever, get your music to the biggest blog or whatever it is, the biggest record label or whoever you're trying to get the attention of. And I I think there's something to be said for actually doing your own research and and finding where you're actually going to fit. That's something that Jake and I, we've covered when it comes to like playlists and stuff like that, when people are just trying to get on playlists and it doesn't matter what playlist or if it fits your music at all. So I think that's another kind of common misconception. You don't always have to be going for the biggest market and I think it was funny because when I read that in the email that you sent me, you had kind of said it as a praise for stuff that we had discussed on the podcast. But I was thinking, I don't think we've ever actually said it so succinctly and so clearly that you don't always need to be going for the biggest market. <laughs> so that's another <laughs> another misconception that I think people have. Yeah. And and I think that your podcast episode about location, location, location Talk, mm. speaks to this uh, quite a bit too. But whenever you think about like whatever quote unquote success means, right? Like it means tons of different things depending on who you're asking, but there's not really like one specific way to do things. And I think that's that's one thing that your podcast has really emphasized that there's not a one size fits all model. And so like when I think about a Connecticut artist that has defied like the traditional way of doing things, I think about uh, a group called Have a Nice Life and they had a uh, a record that I think, and people will probably know this story way better than me, but like they had put out a record called Death Consciousness that was like mostly just on the internet and had just kind of been there for a few years and kind of gone unnoticed. But they had really cultivated a really great kind of like cult following just in kind of like their style and the way they interact with the fans. And then now, like if you go to like a music blog and you look at, you know, like the top, you know, 20 albums of the decade or whatever, you'd find that album on there. And so it wasn't because they like toured all the time. It wasn't because they emailed blogs. It wasn't because, you know, they like paid somebody for plays. It was just because they were like true to themselves and and they found that route and it worked for them. The approach, I think from a lot of Connecticut artists, and I, I could be wrong about this, but I think a lot of them don't think like, I want to be on Pitchfork. I want to be on Stereo Gum or I want to be, you know, on Rap Caviar or whatever, a playlist. They think like, I want to make music that I really like and I want to share it with my friends. And oftentimes because it's genuine to them and because it's authentic to them, it's just great. And it works for them. It's 
maybe my job to help get other people to notice that, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's always, as an artist, kind of a, you have to ride a fine line between trying to grow and being true to yourself yeah, uh, yeah. And, and things like that. So yeah, if it, having somebody like you to kind of take part of that and, and do some of the promotion and allow allow people to really just express themselves in the way that they want to express themselves is a, a great thing, I think. All right, so, so to start wrapping things up, I like to ask our guests a, a two-part question about predicting the future. Mm -hmm. So for you specifically, I want to talk about Connecticut a little bit more. So where do you see Connecticut as a music scene heading in the next five years? Oh, no. I, so I knew I this know, question was question. coming. <laughs> I knew this question was coming and I tried to think about it and I couldn't come up with a good answer. I mean, like, I'm a very positive and optimistic person. So like, I think for me in five years, somebody not related to the Connecticut music scene will write some kind of think piece online about how like there's like a hotbed for great artists in Connecticut. That's a simple, tangible goal mm. that I think we can do. And I think beyond that, I think just having more people know who Craig Mask is or Queen Moo or Eddie Edward or similar kind or Laura Wolf or Olive Tiger or Seal Hughes or Chesky or, I, you know, I could go on forever, but mm -hmm. like I, that's my goal is to have people in Connecticut take notice of what's going on beneath their noses and for the rest of, you know, the country or the rest of the world to maybe have more exposure to Connecticut music. Yeah, I, I guess that kind of leads to the second part of the question, which is about CT versus as a blog and a podcast. Can you make any predictions about where where you'll take that over the next five years or are there any goals that you have going forward there yeah that's a great question because like i i don't know if i have any tangible goals because like this whole thing for me like one of the philosophies that i have is like i never ever ever want to make any money off of what i do and mm. like sct versus i strongly believe that like every piece of goodwill or money that people would want to send to support the blog they would send to an artist in Connecticut. And the reason why is because that's going to encourage those artists to keep making what they're doing and keep doing what they're doing. And just by seeing and hearing that, that inspires me to keep doing what I'm doing. So in five years, I don't know. I mean, it, it would be, it'd be cool to have a, a Netflix deal where, you know, like hosting bands and like where, while I'm wearing a dog mask or something like that as <laughs> like a talk show, that'd be awesome. But, you know, I think I try to keep it humble. I try to keep it like as I, I'll, I'll do it until it doesn't feel right to do it anymore. But I think on the horizon for me, like we'll do like another benefit compilation. We put out one of those in early 2020. We're going to do another one of those in early 2021. And yeah, and keep doing the podcast because that brings me joy and happiness. And outside of that, I'm not sure yet. We'll kind of see how it goes. Yeah, I think that's great. That's what I was going to hope. Keep doing what you're doing and 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 keep helping us find all the, the great artists that Connecticut has to offer. Thank you very much. That's very, that's very nice of you to say. <laughs> well, well, thank, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Again, you said you'd normally much rather have a Connecticut artist take your spot for an interview, but I think all of us, Connecticut artists especially, and, and really anybody who's listening, are thankful that you are willing to, to do it and we're all better off for it. Is there any message that you want to leave our listeners with to finish things off? Yes. The band from West Haven, Vim Ayers, 
You can find them at them-airs.bandcamp.com. They just released a new album and it is very good. And I hope you check it out. Mm, great. Well, everybody, Connecticut or not, go check out Them Airs. Also go check out ctverses.com to hear about all the, the great music that's coming out of the state, being made in the state. And that's C-T-V-E-R-S-E-S. Also, be sure to go follow CT Versus on Instagram at CT Versus and listen to CT Versus audio interviews podcast wherever you listen to this podcast, I guess. Go go check them out as well. And as you can hear from CT Versus talk today, it's a, a very fun, entertaining listen. He's got a lot of great questions for, for artists that are unexpected. I'll, I'll tease you with, with <laughs> that. It's, a, it's a, a great listen, so I highly recommend it. And like always, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm sure you got something out of it. So go connect further with your own community and support one another. That's kind of like what this is all about and what I, what I hope everybody's taking away from this specific episode. It's not always about elevating yourself. It's about forming a community, making sure that there's representation within your community and elevating everybody. So thank you, CT Versus, for that. And thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me and for uh, giving me space to talk about what I love. <laughs> of course. And before we get going, I just want to take a quick second to say thank you to everyone that's left a review. We've been reading through them. They're pretty funny, pretty cool. We might do an episode with some of them. We've heard a little bit here and there that it's been starting to spread through word of mouth, which is pretty cool to say the absolute least. So. Thank you guys very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate it. And with that being said, Kobe, take it away. <laughs> well, that's all we've got for you on this episode. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Self-Signed Artist. Peace. Peace.